1: and welcome to HexoCorp's second quarter fiscal 2020 earnings call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number 1 on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the star followed by the 2. Thank you. Please note that this call is being recorded today, March thirtieth, two 2020, at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I would now like to turn the call, or
0: call over to Jennifer Smith, Director of Investor Relations at HexoCorp. Ms. Smith, you may proceed. Thank you, Jessica. Good morning. I'm Jennifer Smith, Director of Investor Relations for HexoCorp. Thank you all for joining us this morning for our 2020 Q2 earnings call. We will start with a presentation by our CEO, Sebastian St. Louis, followed by a recap of our Q2 results by our CFO, Stephen Burwash, before opening the floor up to questions from our financial analysts. Before we begin, I would like to remind you that today's presentation contains forward-looking statements that involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties, and other factors that could cause actual events to differ materially from current expectations. The forward-looking statements are based upon and include the company's internal estimates, plans, expectations, opinions, forecasts, projections, targets, guidance, or other statements that are not statements of fact. Any statements contained herein or discussed during the presentation that are not statements of historical facts may be deemed to be forward-looking statements. Such statements can often be, but not always be identified by the use of forward-looking terminology and other similar words and expressions that are predictive or indicative of future events and future trends, including negative and grammatical variations therein of statements that certain events or conditions may or will happen or by a discussion of strategy. These statements should not be read as assurances of future performance or results. Such statements involve none and unknown risks and uncertainties and other factors that may cause actual results, performance, or achievements to be materially different from those implied by such statements. Those risks or uncertainties include but are not limited to those relating to the company's ability to execute its business plan, renew required for permits and licenses, and related regulatory compliance matters implement its growth strategies, retain and maintain financing on acceptable terms, maintain and renew required licenses, maintain good business relationships with its customers, distributors, other strategic partners, keep pace with changing consumer preferences, protect intellectual properties, manage and integrate acquisitions, retain key, key personnel in relating to the company's competitive advantages, the development of new products, products formats for the company's products changes in laws, rules, regulations in the absence of materially adverse changes in the industry or global economy. A more complete discussion of the risks and uncertainties facing the company appear in the company's annual information form and the company's management and discussion and analysis for the six-month period ended January 31, 2020, which are available under the company's profile on CDAR. Although the company has based forward-looking statements on assumptions that it believes are reasonable... It cautions the readers that the actual results and developments, including the company's results of operations, financial conditions, liquidity, and the development of the industry in which the company operates, may differ materially from those made or suggested by the forward-looking information contained herein. A number of factors could cause actual events, performance, or results to differ materially from what is projected in the forward-looking statements. You are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements, which speak only as of the date of this presentation. The company disclaims any intention or obligation, except to the extent required by law, to update or revise any forward-looking statements as a result of the new, information, or future events, or for any other reason. Any forward-looking statement contained herein or discussed during today's session is expressively qualified in its entirety by the above cautionary statement. I'll now turn the floor over to Sebastian, our CEO.
2: Thank you, Jennifer. Good morning, everybody. There's no way we can begin this conference call without discussing COVID-19. This virus is having an enormous impact on humanity, it'll certainly have an impact on the global economy. The dramatic steps taken by our federal and provincial governments along with most other nations of the world over the past few weeks have presented significant challenges for all businesses and ours is no different. As per our press release of March 24th, the cannabis sector has been deemed an essential service in Quebec and Ontario. While we're fortunate enough to keep operating our business, we've created a set of priorities that will guide our actions during this difficult period. Number one is to protect the health and safety of our employees. Number two, to continue to supply high quality cannabis to our customers. And number three, our operational effectiveness strategic priority to focus on our near term goal of EBITDA positive. It's difficult in these early days of social distancing and self-isolation to know the long-term impact on our business. As long as we can keep our people healthy, we're confident in our ability to produce. The biggest challenge will be in our ability to forecast near- and medium-term demand, as that will be impacted by the retail store environment. Canopy has closed their corporate-owned retail stores and many others have moved to a click-and-collect model. At the moment, demands remain strong but the impact of significant job losses in our economy may affect the size of the market until this pandemic has abated. A key component of our expansion plans was the expected increase in retail stores in Ontario. However, that's uncertain at this time. We're vigilant in monitoring the market, but we expect uncertainty to remain present for an extended period of time. It'll certainly be weeks, but it could be months. Now I'd like to move on and discuss our financial results for the second quarter of fiscal 2020. Two quarters ago, We noted challenging conditions that were contributing to a slower rollout of the legal adult use market. Our primary concerns centered on the delayed licensing and build out of retail stores in both Ontario and Quebec, combined with the delay in launching the 2.0 products. These issues have significantly contributed to limiting access to the consumer for Canadian licensed producers. Our company, along with many of our peers, had built our organizations on the assumption that retail channel would be licensed and built on quicker timelines. During the past 12 months, we've also seen a dramatic shift in the capital markets and the ability of cannabis companies to issue equity. Considering these factors, we've rationalized our operations in a number of ways. We're completing capital projects that are necessary for us to become a leader in the Canadian marketplace. We're introducing automation and implementing processes and procedures to drive efficiencies in those operations. We're using new analytical tools to produce and sell products with. Uh, current consumer demand in mind. We're reducing our cash operating expenses, and we continue to drive towards adjusted EBITDA and cash flow positive operations in Canada as soon as possible. I'm very pleased to see that we're already beginning to see the results of that hard work. In Q2, we saw our net revenue grow 17%, achieved gross margins of 33%, and we decreased our operating expenses by 21%. As we previously stated, that we were taking an aggressive stance on pricing to increase our adult-use market share in Canada through the introduction of Original Stash, the first value brand on the Canadian market, we saw a 57% increase in kilograms sold, primarily in response to the successful launch of Original Stash. We're continuing this aggressive pricing strategy across our other products to reduce product returns and drive consumer sell-through. In order for the Canadian legal cannabis market to continue to develop, we need to continue disrupting the illicit market. Original Stash proves that we can do that and do that profitably. Several of our competitors have now entered the space with their own value lines, but we continue to believe that we will maintain a strong market share based on our operating costs and quality. We've maintained our position as the market leader in Quebec, commanding over a third of the sales within the province And from this position, we're looking forward to strengthening our distribution across the country and to establish ourselves as one of the top market leaders in Canada. Aside from driving growth to our top line, we've been focused on rationalizing our operations. In October, we were one of the first companies to make the hard decision to scale back our workforce and expenditures on items such as marketing. We had scaled our operations to service a market much larger than what's currently available to us and our licensed producer peers. These reductions resulted in a decrease of operating expenses of 25% in Q1 and 21% in Q2. Although we've made structural changes to our business, our operations continue to gain efficiencies and improve output. In Q2, we produced 22,000 kilograms of dried gram equivalent. That's a 38% improvement from previous quarter. We've also improved the amount of dried flour we produce compared to trim from each kilo harvested. We're developing products that can consume more of that trim and alleviate the buildup of inventory. We should see the results of that work in the next few quarters. Key to continued improvement in our cost structure and our ability to serve the market is our Belleville manufacturing facility. Using advanced automation in our manufacturing and processing supply chain will allow us to increase output while decreasing costs and will reduce our reliance on outsourcing. We've received the license for the first phase of the facility and are continuing construction on the second phase. We've submitted our edibles licensing amendment and are looking forward to beginning production at the facility upon receipt. In the short term, we're preparing to launch our 2.0 products from our Gatineau pilot facility, which received its license in October. I'm pleased to announce we've just shipped our first shipments of original stash hash to Ontario which should be, uh, which have been on uh, store shelves and have actually uh, sold out very quickly, uh, the first shipments and we've reloaded, we're very pleased with that. Our shipments to Quebec and other provinces are following soon. We're looking forward to announcing the release of more new products, uh, vapes, concentrates, chocolates, gummies over the next few months. We believe these changes to our cost structure, as well as delivering products through our three brands and the introduction of 2.0 products, will allow us to achieve long-term portfolio-wide gross margins in the low 40%. Together with our partner Molson Coors, we've made significant progress towards launching beverages in Canada. We're looking forward to making more announcements regarding service specifics as we get closer to the launch date. Beverages will be sold under several different brands in a variety of flavors,
3: They taste great, they include THC, CBD and other formulations, and we look forward to bringing that to market. Our decision uh, on new strike and uh, to curtail operations at the
2: Niagara facility were mostly related to our opening comments on the current size of the Canadian market. A number of our licensed producer peers have also halted construction or closed certain facilities to rationalize operations. We decided to focus our attention on optimizing the operations in Gatineau, in our Masson facility, to meet current demand. And we'll revisit Niagara once the Ontario and Quebec retail build-out is advanced and we uh, need that increased production. To summarize, HEXO's main strategic objectives, despite a very challenging global environment, remain alive and well. So to summarize those, uh, to be a market share leader in Canada, is well in our focus and very achievable. In fact, we continue to dominate in the Quebec market and prove out that Hexo is a top national adult-use market share player. From an operational excellence point of view, I'm thrilled with our ability to post a 33% gross margin, including one-time costs, so the normalized margin should be higher, and including Original Stash, uh, a product that's our, that's our value brand. We've also demonstrated an ability to reduce operational expenses, and we're very confident that near-term will be EBITDA positive. Our third uh, strategic priority has been innovation and innovative products. And we've had another rousing success with original Stash Hash, and we look forward to rolling that out nationally. The quality of Hexo products keeps uh, being well-received, and we're thrilled with the response from our customers. With that, I'd like to hand the floor over to our CFO, Steve Burwash, to discuss our second quarter results.
4: Thank you, Sebastian. Hello, everybody. Uh, we'd like to go through our Q uh, quarter results, and uh, I'm happy to report that there's been some positive movement for HEXO. we we'll start in the revenue area. Total gross revenue was 23.8 million for the quarter, which is an increase of 23% over Q1. Gross revenue is net of 200k in price concessions as we continue to assess our pricing to drive sales volumes and sell through. A return provision of 1.2 million to provide for possible unsold inventory in the supply chain. Net revenue was up 17% to 17 million compared with 14.5 million in the last quarter. Adult use sales volume increased 57% to 6.5 tons from 4.2 tons in Q1. This increase was primarily driven by the expanded distribution of original stash during the quarter. Due to the success of original stash, we are continuing to expand the distribution of it. It's now listed in Quebec, Ontario, BC, Alberta, Nova Scotia, and Newfoundland. We achieved adult use net revenue per gram of $2.47, a decrease of $0.77 over the prior period. This decrease is primarily the result of increased sales mix making changes to the strains we are growing, with a focus on the ones with THC content greater than 18%. As more of these harvests become available for sale, that should drive increased volumes of the products sold under our HEXO and UP brands, that along with the expansion of our geographical distribution and the introduction of our new 2.0 products, result in a positive shift in the revenue per gram and gross margin over the next few quarters. Cost of sales increased 14% to $11.3 million compared to $9.9 million in Q1 as a result of increase in the volume sold which was offset by a decrease in the cash cost per gram related to changes in yields, process improvements and a reduction of certain costs such as irradiation. The fair value adjustment on the sale of inventory was $5.4 million, decreased decrease from $6.7 million in Q1 this is due to the compression of fair value of dried mar- flour in the market, which was offset by the volume sold. The unrealized gain on changes in fair value of biological assets was negative 7.9 million compared with negative 7.1 million in Q1. This is as a result of an increase in estimate yields and production rates at the Gatineau facility, as well as a reduction in the cash cost per gram, as previously mentioned. This results in a higher fair value adjustment. The company recorded a write-down on inventory of $16.1 million in the quarter, compared to $23 million in the prior quarter. 11.8 of this impairment relates to an impairment on concentrated bulk purchase inventory. The company is currently undergoing litigation related to this supply agreement, as we believe it is an onerous contract that was negotiated in bad faith. $3.1 million of the write-off is due to an excess supply of trim on hand when compared with our short-term demand needs. We are closely monitoring our inventory levels, as well as assessing application for inventory in our 2.0 products, and will continue to keep you updated on a quarter by quarter basis regarding any future impairments that may be required. Gross margin before fair value adjustments for Q2 2020 were 5.7 million or 33%, compared with net revenue from sale of goods. This compares to $4.6 million in the prior quarter, or 31%. This increase is a result of a reduction in the cost per gram as a result of significant improvement in yields in our cultivation facilities. We expect margins to improve in the long term through the launch of higher THC products, expanded Canadian distribution, and the introduction of 2.0 products. Gross margin after fair value adjustment and impairment was a negative 9, $7.9 million compared with a negative $20.9 million in Q1. Operating expenses were $281.5 million in Q2. However, these included a number of non-recurring expenses that came about as a result of changes in conditions of the Canadian market. For that reason, we look at our operating expenses in two segments, poor and non-recurring. For our core operating expenses, we saw a decrease of about 21% to 28.1 million in Q2 from 35.1 million in Q1. As noted earlier, we have proactively worked to reduce our cash operating expenses. We have started to see demonstrable reductions in these overhead costs. Our OpEx cash cost decreased to 16 million in Q2 from 24 million in Q1. That's a 33% decrease. In our G&A, we decreased to 14.4 million from 16 million in Q1. This is the result of reduced payroll and travel costs. In marketing and promotion, we decreased to 0.4 million from 6.2 million in Q1 2020. This is a direct result of a decision to reduce our promotional spending and headcount. There was also an over-accrual based on a contract that we renegotiated in Q2 to allow us to reverse that accrual. Research and development decreased to 1.2 million from 1.7 million in Q1 as a result of a reduction in headcount and consulting fees. Now a look at our non-recurring expenses. There was an additional $300,000 in restructuring costs related to the right sizing we began in Q1. Secondly, there was impairments of property, plant, and equipment, as well as intangible assets of $138.3 million, which came about after we completed a strategic review of our cultivation assets and deciding to focus on driving operational improvements and yields at our Gatineau facility to reduce costs and to lift Niagara for sale. An impairment of goodwill, 111 million.9 after performing an indicator impairment test and an additional 3 million realization of an onerous contract related to a supply agreement that is currently the subject of litigation losses from operations in q2 our losses from operations were 289.4 million compared with 60.6 million in q1 2020 the increase is primarily related to the non-recurring expenses i mentioned which is offset by a decrease in operating expense of $7 million, combined with a decrease in the impairment loss and write-off of inventory and biological assets of $11 million. We are still focusing on reducing operating expenses and streamlining operations, with a focus on becoming adjusted EBITDA positive. At the end of Q2 2020, we had $81.4 million in cash, cash equivalents and short-term investments. We will require additional capitalization in order to meet the company's obligations, commitments, and budgeted expenditures through uh, through January 31, 2021. We are considering a number of options, and we hope to launch an at-the-market financing in the near future. Thank you very much, and I will now turn the call back over to Jennifer.
5: We will
0: now take questions from analysts. To the large number of animals joining us today, I would ask you to limit your questions to two at a time. You're welcome to rejoin the queue after that. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.
1: We will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touch tone phone. You will hear a three tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press the star followed by the two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from David Kaidekel with Corp. please go ahead.
6: Um,
4: thank you very much. Uh, this is Wen pinch hitting on behalf of uh, David. First of all, uh, congrats on the quarter. Just wanted to know more about your positive EBITDA guidance for 2021. For instance, um, it would be useful to know your estimated percentage of revenue coming from cannabis derivatives in 2021 and the range of gross margins you are expecting to achieve this.
2: Thank you. Uh, we are expecting to improve the amount of products that are coming from 2.0 in derivatives, and that, that's the fundamental problem uh, for all for our whole industry right now. How much revenue can we generate from trim, which is effectively a byproduct of production, uh, in order to get the best portfolio margin available. So we're not giving specific numbers in in our forecast. Uh, we can tell you it will be
3: improving. Uh, in terms of a, a portfolio gross margin, we're targeting 40%. Okay, thank you very much.
5: Our next question comes from Erin Gray with Alliance
1: Global Partners. Please go ahead.
7: Good morning and thanks for the question. Um, First, I just want to touch back again on gross margin. You know, it's nice to see the uh, sequential improvement during the quarter. Can you talk a little bit more you know what in terms of what drove that? I know you mentioned you know the change in yields, but also and I heard you mention a one time cost uh, you know that should go away. so is there a way you could kind of quantify that um, and then also going forward in terms of once the bell license you know is received, how that helps to improve the gross margin as well in terms of like improved automation as well so just any kind of coloring to help quantify the one-time hit during the cooling, how that should be normalized. Thanks.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Um, so the so it's not just yields, it's across the organization. We've taken, uh, funnily enough, we have found opportunity amidst of this, this COVID thing. We've had a renewed focus on health and safety, which has really driven efficiencies. Um, so that, that's been, uh, that's been a huge success. When, uh, when I say one-time costs, I mean the purchases in the quarter, uh, some onerous contracts, et cetera. So if you normalize, and if we only had sold in the quarter, uh, or I'd only needed to take into account current costs of our product current manufacturing costs We can see the 40% right now and I remind uh, everybody on the call that that's including original stash Which accounts for a, a large portion of our sales. So uh, very very bullish on our ability to drive long-term Portfolio margin at 40% uh, once we get these one-time issues out of the way
8: well, Great, Thanks, that's helpful um, and then just second one will just be just
7: touching on terms of market share for Quebec uh, you know, you mentioned the strong share, again, during the quarter, just, you know, we could help kind of quantify, you know, the market share and how it's kind of compared quarter over quarter for Quebec, and then just anything that you've seen kind of quarter to date just with, you know, kind of the hoarding of product that people took in anticipation of moving in isolation with COVID-19, and then also just any color you could provide in Ontario, where you also did launch an original stash, and what you've seen in terms of market share trends are there as well. Thank you.
2: We're still completely dominant in Quebec. Uh, we've chosen to share the 33% number, as we think that's a, uh, th- th- that's a good, sustainable, conservative number. Uh, some of the monthly data just blew that out of the water, quite frankly, uh, but we're waiting for that to normalize. In any consumer packaged goods business, it's highly unlikely, uh, almost impossible, that any brand will maintain above a 40% market share. Um, and so, uh, so we're, we're being conservative there, but uh, we're definitely number one and not going anywhere. In terms of Ontario, uh, the, uh, the introduction of some new products have worked very well, but we've really focused in our attention on, uh, on servicing the Quebec market fully. The other markets uh, in Canada were really focused on 2.0 until we can properly service them with uh, flour, so as a, as a full line offering. Uh, so in terms of uh, total national market share, we're amongst the top. Uh, if you look at adult use market share, you compare us to any of the top five names, we're right in striking distance, uh, and uh, we're, we're quite pleased
3: with those results, and we anticipate that to continue. All right, great, thanks.
5: Your next question
1: comes from Rupesh Parikh with Oppenheimer. Please go ahead.
8: Good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. So yes, first, Sebastian, getting back to the comments on getting to positive EBITDA near term, um, any any more granularity you can provide in terms of the timing of,
3: of achieving that target? Uh, right now, we're still well, we're we're shooting for uh, for within the the next couple of
2: quarters. But in terms of giving a precise window, given all the uncertainty in the market, no, Rupesh, we're we're not giving more appropriate guidance there. What I can tell you is that at a with continuing increase in sales quarter over quarter. And with a 40% gross margin and an ability to reduce OPEX, uh, it, uh, it, it's, it gets very certain uh, pretty soon.
8: Okay, great. And then on the operating expense front, um, is there any more color you can provide in terms of how you guys should think about G&A sequentially in marketing? Uh, I guess Q3 and Q4 and, and um, yeah, just want to get a sense of what type of dollars we should be thinking about going forward.
2: Absolutely. One, I think one of the biggest uh, successes to come out of uh, of our acquisition of New Strike, we certainly had our challenges, and you saw it this quarter with the impairments. But one one of the greatest successes was the Up brand. And uh, we've uh, come up with new uh, marketing initiatives that are actually quite low cost. And so we're very confident in our ability to keep those costs under control go forward uh, while continuing to deploy those brands uh, nationally and getting resonance. Um, The the brand will always rely on two things. Distribution first, and then product innovation second. Uh, That's what's going to build, I believe, a long-term brand success Uh, And so uh, on top of that, we have great banners like Original Stash, Up, and Hexo uh, to put this
3: technology under. And we're having great success in that with things like launch of our original hash. Great. Thank you.
5: Next question comes from Tammy Chen with BMO Capital
1: Markets. Please go ahead.
9: Yeah, thanks. Um, First question is, uh, so just wanted to touch back on the growth in the volume sold seen this quarter. Um, So my understanding is most of it came from sequential growth in Quebec with original stash. I think the selling of original stash to some of the other uh, provinces this quarter was a bit less than what I thought. I just wanted to understand, is that Function of just timing for when you launched into those provinces and at this point now are these other provinces are they now meaningfully increasing their ordering of original stash
2: well one of the challenges outside Quebec and I, and I want to congratulate uh, the the SQDC for how they've managed their, their supplier relationships so they're they're one of the few that don't have this issue but one of the issues is as LPs sell into retail networks Uh, So into other provinces outside of Quebec, as those provinces load up the retail channel, uh, if there's any price adjustment or concessions need to be made or margin concession need to be made in the future, those concessions don't flow through to the retailer and don't flow through to the consumer. So what that ends up doing is it ends up jamming the store with a bunch of inventory and then we can't reload So in certain cases, uh, we have retail stores choosing to take a different uh, manufacturer-suggested retail price. So instead of taking the HEXO-suggested price for original stash, they're taking prices that affect the velocity. Um, And then in turn, when we go to adjust, then the province itself will prevent the price adjustment. So we are getting better on those things, and we are learning more, but that's causing uh, the the slowdown outside of Quebec. Okay,
9: so will this... Be a continued bit of a challenge for the next couple of quarters, or is this something that can be addressed? Uh, I think I'm it's an industry.
2: Under- yes, it's, I think it's an industry-wide challenge for the next uh, for the next couple of months at least. Uh, but we are seeing meaningful improvement uh, in all provinces.
9: Okay, thanks. And my uh, second question is, I think you um, uh, adjusted some of the covenants in your term loan. One of the ones mentioned was um, there's some EBITDA-related criteria um, within the covenants. Um, Just wanted to understand uh, if that has changed, because I think in the prior credit agreement, there were certain um, covenants related to EBITDA that were going to come in at a certain point. So I just wanted to understand if you could kind of clarify if these EBITDA covenants, if they've changed and what they are in the new covenant agreement. Thanks.
2: We're in full compliance of all our bank covenants, and uh, we're working very closely with our banking partners. They're super supportive. Uh, both CIBC and
3: BMO have been fantastic to work with. Thanks. Your
5: next question comes from Owen
1: Bennett with Jefferies. Please go ahead.
7: Good morning, guys. Um, your first question is just on the, the requirement for additional funding over the next 12 months. I was just hoping you could give a, a bit more specifics around that, assuming you hit your timeline 3-bit Dot positive, how much cash you think you're actually going to need. Uh, and then the second one um, is just around Up and um, Hexo, those brands. Could you give any kind of color on the sales or market share trends we're, we're seeing for those two brands specifically? Thank you. Thanks, Owen.
2: Uh, from a, a cash need perspective, uh, we, we certainly uh, know what our wish list is versus the hard requirement. From a wish list perspective, you'll recall I used to talk about for a, a global cannabis company, uh, you know, global cannabis dominance would require billions of dollars of capital. Hexo is now solely focused on being profitable in Canada first and driving profitable operations here. And to dominate in Canada and be one of the top players, a wish list number is about $150 million. The, uh, the bare bones requirement uh, could be quite a bit less than that, uh, significantly less. So we're, uh, we're waiting to see how the markets are gonna respond, how our ATM performs, et cetera. Uh, and in the short term, there is no cash pressure. Uh, so we're in, uh, we're in good shape in the, in the very short term. So we have a lot of options as well as uh, strong supporting shareholders. From a brand perspective, uh, we're not breaking down uh, the success of specific brands. Um, uh, what I can say right now is Original Stash working very well, and we're working on an upper relaunch that we're super excited about. That'll tie into uh, introducing more uh, higher margin product, but also uh, more advanced uh, 2.0 products into market. And, and, uh, and, of course, Hexo keeps doing
3: very, very well in Quebec. Thank you.
7: Appreciate it.
5: next question comes from Matt Bottomley with
1: Canaccord.
8: Go ahead. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Thanks for taking the questions. Uh, Sebastian, maybe just uh, if you could provide a little more color on any sensitivity in in pricing that you might have, given that um, it seems like a lot of your peers are also starting to target this value brand segment. I know you guys were were first to do it, but just as your recreational pricing seems to be offsetting overall um, market penetration growth, Is there sort of a bottom line price uh, that you guys have set that would uh, be of concern um, given where the market's going uh, or is the overall OPEX leverage and overall growth uh, in your facility infrastructure expected to absorb a lot of that pressure?
2: Thanks, Matt. Uh, I I think that Hexo's assets are some of the best in the world, quite frankly. I've I've seen most of what's around. Um, And uh, I think we can rely on that, on our processes and our methods uh, that given a set quality, I really don't think most of our competitors can compete uh, at the same price. So we're gonna continue to drive uh, up gross margin. We're gonna continue to drive down OPEX. And as we do that, I I want to keep flowing through that value to our customers and our consumers. Uh, And so as long as we maintain a portfolio gross margin above 40%, uh, we are quite comfortable in continuing to lower prices. Uh, I think that the overall price in the industry is starting to uh, stabilize because we've achieved with original stash at Hexo uh, the the disruption of the black market. And that has been a fundamental change in how people consume uh, product and so uh, i i think we'll we'll start to see that stabilization on value um, and i only think uh there's uh hexo and maybe one or two other licensed producers that can uh compete in that segment uh, because they have the uh, the asset base and cost structure to do so
4: uh, appreciate
8: that and just the second uh, follow up question just respect with respect to your, your sales and marketing that basically came down to zero this quarter over last from i think about 6 million so can you frame how much of that might have been upfront uh, investment, uh, you know, during the launch of uh, maybe cannabis 2.0 um, versus any sort of change in strategy and, and how you allocate dollars to marketing?
2: Yeah, the, there, was a, there was a big change in, in strategy in terms of how we we're doing a portfolio marketing. So we were marketing brands before um, really at the, from, a, from a top level, from a corporate level, we've stopped all those activities. And now we're taking product launches on a project by project basis and being very selective in how we go to market. And uh, that's been very successful. Uh, Original Stash is one of the best-performing product, cannabis products of all time across all licensed producers, and that was done on a shoestring marketing budget. So we're, uh, the marketing
3: team is doing a fantastic job in uh, doing more with less.
8: Great. Thank you.
5: The next question comes from John Chu
1: with Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
6: Good morning. Just uh, first question would be just on the positive EBITDA. Now, previously you had mentioned 800 store retail stores as kind of the, the benchmark for being able to reach that. I believe we're we're over that number now across Canada. So the question is, is the current retail infrastructure enough for you to reach positive EBITDA, or do you need more stores open in Ontario and, and other provinces to get to that number, to to get to positive EBITDA?
2: Well, John, will certainly take more stores, we'll make it easier. Uh, I think the distribution of stores needs some uh, right-sizing. We're still uh, probably overloaded a bit in Alberta and light in Ontario. Uh, so uh, that, that needs to be adjusted a little bit. Um, given uh, the, uh, the the third pillar uh, really that, uh, that could balance out the store count is the competitive pressure. So as we start to see more and more licensed producers outside of HEXO, of course, uh, filing for bankruptcy and failing, uh, that's creating less competition, which then allows us to gain more share and more sales. And so, uh, given that continued trend, uh, confident that with or without more stores, we can uh, we can get positive. Now, with that in mind, we we do need more stores for the market and for consumers to be properly serviced in this
6: country. Okay. And then, has COVID-19 impacted the progress of Belleville in terms of construction, bringing in equipment, and everything else? And did I hear you right that? Gatno is now going to actually be producing 2.0 products for for sale now. Because I thought that was really for more testing purposes than producing for uh, distribution.
3: Yeah, so
2: we are we are pilot scale in Gatno, and so what we did is we took our testing purpose uh, facility. Uh, And we're going to market uh, with certain products. Now, it's it's a more limited offering than what we can do with our full-scale in Belleville. Uh, The intention is to manufacture everything from Belleville uh, eventually. Uh, And right now, uh, construction is substantially complete, uh, which is why we've been able also to uh, uh, reduce our capex ongoing and go forward. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the Belleville facility has been inf- affected by COVID uh, just in terms of uh, timing of inspections, et cetera. So uh, Health Canada, uh, of course, completely occupied with uh, coronavirus and we completely understand. But so we're working closely with them uh, to see how we can adjust uh, for licensing,
3: et cetera. And we're quite happy to see that they're still doing their good work.
1: Your next question comes from Douglas Mayan with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
7: Yeah. Uh, good morning. Um, just wanted to go back to the stores for a second. Um, when you look at your EBITDA guidance with respect to, say, Ontario, I, I know that Ontario talked about 250 stores. Um, we thought that was going to be a challenge to begin with, but given the current setting, um, can you maybe tell us what your EBITDA positive outlook is based on? Is it based on the 250? And let's say if it were half of that, would you still be able to meet your EBITDA outlook?
3: Yeah, Doug, I
2: think Ontario is still going to have a lot of challenges getting to that number. They need to fundamentally fix the distribution center, a distribution center tent. Really support more than forty to fifty stores at the end of the day, so uh, that that needs to be fundamentally upgraded. It's not just a question of store count. You also have the the reduced throughput of stores given the capital environment, uh, so uh, which reduces that count. So I think it's prudent to expect uh, a slower rollout, and that of course all in the context of COVID. Um, so uh, which is deprioritizing store openings for the Ontario government uh, for for the moment. Uh, so in, in terms of EBITDA positive, is, as I've said, uh, I, I don't think the store count is the only factor you need to look at. You need to look at the total competitive environment. You need the uh, market share um, of our uh, of our new uh, value offerings and our entrance into the higher end segments with our upbrands. Uh, that should uh, contribute meaningfully. Uh, And so uh, I'm not overly worried. We don't need to get to a 250 store count. In terms of a specific store number, uh, we're we're not uh, disclosing our our specific plan and uh, everything is moving so quickly that we are adapting in real time.
7: Okay, Uh, that's fair. Um, My other question just has to do, you you mentioned that you're having um, a real impact finally on the illicit market. Um, especially in Quebec. Can you expand on that to give us a bit more details, maybe with respect to pricing, what type of market share you're taking from the illicit market? I think that would be very helpful. And I'll leave it there. Thanks.
2: Thanks for that. Uh, we're, we're really seeing new consumers come in. Where, where it comes down to in our conversations with SQDC, we're, we're seeing consumers that have never shopped at SQDC start to walk in in a significant amount, and they're walking in asking for original SASH and HEXO products. And so that's really where the the first success comes from. Uh, From a pricing perspective, everything we do with the original stash line revolves around attacking the black market pricing. So we'll go out and we'll look at what the cost per gram is uh, on dried flour. Uh, We'll go look at what the cost per uh, gram is on hash, for example, and we make sure to come in Uh, excise tax in with very competitive products. Anecdotally, uh, I I get calls from, uh, uh, with the launch of Original Stash, I got calls from black market dealers uh, for the uh, first time saying, what
3: are you doing to our business? And so that's when I knew we were succeeding. Perfect. Thank you.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one. Your next question comes from Graham Crandler of Eight Capital. Please go ahead.
10: Hi, good morning, and thank you for taking my questions here. Uh, I just had a follow-up question regarding uh, the ongoing capital needs um, as well as the covenants. I noticed some language uh, in the financial statements about an additional covenant that was put in um, about uh, about the need for $40 million um, raised on or before April 30th. So I was just wondering if that covenant language in there, that includes the activities that were done um, towards the end of uh, fiscal Q2, um, or if that's sort of uh, within the next 30 days here. Thank you.
3: Steve? Yep,
4: Uh, thanks for the question. Yeah, so that that $40 million is something that's required new money before the end of April. Uh, The uh, fundraising and capital raises we did in Q1, I think it was about $130 is outside of that, and this is going to be new money.
10: Okay, thank you for the clarification there. Uh, And then uh, just another question here. Um, Sebastian, you mentioned earlier on the call the significant increase uh, at 22,000 kilogram equivalents uh, in Q2. Um, I was just wondering if you could provide the breakdown of what the the flour versus the other equivalents were in that number. Thank you.
2: Yeah, so really excited about that actually. So this and 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 it, this is what's really signaling to me the bottom of the trough um is that we're now over half flower and that trend continues so you'll see you'll see a continued improvement in our next quarter I believe. Um and so uh so that you have a number of, of factors here. Sales increasing, gross margin increasing, at the same time that we can get additional penetration with a value product. And our fundamental problem of flower versus trim is getting fixed. Uh, the guys in operation are doing a great job. So, so all those things put together, uh, coupled with the launch of new
3: products, uh, is really giving me, uh, giving me confidence here. Appreciate the color. Thank you very much.
1: Our next question comes from John Zamparo with CIBC. Please go ahead
8: thanks good morning. Uh, I wanted to touch on your upcoming 2.0 launch. Um, I mean the the majority of your flower sales come from Quebec, but of course the province isn't allowing for most of the derivatives portfolio. So how do you think about capturing market share with your brands and other provinces?
2: So our brand strategy essentially is uh, original stash to displace black market and that's going that's a national strategy. Uh, but as you've seen, our launch in uh, Ontario was hash. Uh, so uh, we're, we're taking products that uh, can be made uh, with uh, with other products than flour. Quebec is consuming uh, most of the flour we produce, uh, and so uh, we're we're maintaining that share. We're going to add markets one at a time from a flour perspective. On top of that, and then our 2.0 strategy is going to roll up into the up brand uh, outside of Quebec, uh, which is going to have a, a full premium offering. Um, is how, uh, how we're planning on attacking uh, attacking that. So you should see that uh, within the next uh, two to three quarters
8: uh, from a full rollout perspective, a full portfolio rollout. Okay, thanks. And my other question is on trust. Um, your level of cash injections expanded pretty significantly in the quarter. Can you give us an update on where trust is in terms of um, financing, how much more it might need, and, and also just how it's progressing on the operations side and when we might see those products launch nationally? Thanks.
2: Yeah, Trust uh, the Trust facility is uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, it is the largest, as far as I know, beverage facility in the world, and most advanced from an oxygen control perspective, which is critical when you talk about the quality control of your cannabinoids. Uh, so the uh, the beverages taste fantastic. There's uh, there's no added preservatives, uh, which makes them uh, which makes them even more appealing. We believe to consumers. Uh, from a cash perspective, Trust has been funded with about uh, 90 million dollars so far. It's fully funded uh, from both a capex and opex perspective uh, for uh, for the next while um, and uh, that has been uh, of course those contributions came 57 uh, percent from Molson Coors, uh, which remain uh, very actively engaged uh, in uh, in trust so we're all very excited about what that's going to bring from a from a product launch portfolio we have multiple brands going out uh, so uh, definitely in this calendar year you'll have a full product launch but expect some uh, some select launches of select brands
3: uh, in the meantime Okay, that's great. Thank you.
5: Your next question comes from Andrew Carter
10: with Stifle. Please go ahead. Hey, thanks. Good morning. I wanted to ask, we've all seen the the anecdotal evidence suggesting the surge of demand in Canada and, and then the significant increases where we have the visibility here in the U.S. markets. But could you give us a sense of how the provinces are, and retailers are managing uh, inventories? Are you kind of seeing a commensurate in, increase in orders from the provinces, or are they kind of taking a wait-and-see approach to
2: the new environment? Uh, so the new environment, especially with COVID has resulted in the provinces asking for bigger load-ins. Uh, I think the provinces are being cautious uh, as to uh, as to their supply chain, uh, given this uncertain environment. Um, and, uh, But uh, the the demand is real. So when we look at the till sales, uh, we're seeing meaningful throughput. HEXO has been managing uh, our provincial partners very closely because we have learned our lessons of not stuffing the channel. Uh, And we are making sure to feed these stores with what they need and what they can sell through uh, before necessarily responding to the aggregate uh, purchase orders that are coming in. So really focused on what sells through versus sell in.
10: Thanks. And then kind of a second question now that you kind of transitioned to uh, doing some of your second-generation products from Gatnow, You obviously made that change a couple of months ago, kind of targeting a, a stronger kind of gross margin profile. Is this is this is, is is leaning on this versus you know and int- waiting on Belleville going to be a drag on that 40% gross margin target, or could we expect that the incremental launches here will be significantly increase, accretive to your gross margin profile? Thanks.
2: No, it's not a drag. Uh, So Belleville actually should, when it first comes on, uh, there's going to be a couple of months of of negative hit to gross margin uh, when Belleville first turns on, because we're going to have to take on all that amortization. Uh, But uh, then then it rapidly corrects. Belleville is upside to our margin profile. Uh, It's all uh, automated facilities. It's built for manufacturing. It's inline processing. To give you an idea of the supply chain, I mean, today our products get made in Masson, go to Montreal for radiation, go to Belleville for some packaging, go back to Masson, and then ship out to Quebec. Uh, so it's a five-point supply chain. Once Belleville is fully licensed, we actually in-house, uh, so it's not a radiation, we in-house other inoculation techniques. And so the product is grown in Masson, sent to Belleville, shipped to customers. So a three-point supply chain. So we're going we're to
3: realize significant uh, cost savings there.
5: Thanks. I'll pass it on. We have no further questions at this time. Please proceed.
3: Okay, well, thanks, everybody, for joining the call.
2: Um, Going to uh, end again by uh, wishing you and your families the best of health. Uh, Keep uh, staying safe and washing your hands as best as possible. Uh, In the meantime, Hexa will continue to focus on our market share, our operational effectiveness, and our product innovation, and look forward to talking to you next quarter.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.